All right, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. I am joined by my co-host. Feels like the first time in a long time, because it is the first time in a long time. I am joined by my co-host, Chris Thornton, who you can follow on Twitter at Misto Christopho. Chris, I talked a little bit about it on my solo fiery pod last night, but I was letting your liver get a little bit of rest when I was recording by myself. How have you recovered from yesterday's loss, and how has your liver recovered? Uh, you know, it's the liver's kind of, ever since I can buy my own alcohol and keep my house stocked, it kind of takes a nightly hit, but that's that's part to the Jaguars. But just, just think, the last time we were together in a podcast, the Jags had a winning record. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, yeah, you've, you've got a fair point. Now, I do have a question to ask before we get into actual Jaguars talk. On a scale of 1 to 10, how hard did you hit your liquor stock that you've got in your house yesterday? You know, I did what I usually do, and I just don't eat for a while. And then, like, two or three drinks gets right through me. So, you know, just sitting on my couch, watching some Sunday Night Football and drinking mojitos. So... You know, it was a pretty good Sunday night. I really think you needed those mojitos, and I'm sure a lot of people needed those mojitos after that Jags loss to the Cowboys, which I recapped on yesterday's episode, and I gave a fiery testimony about how the coaching has been poor on both sides of the ball and what the Jaguars need to do going forward. You can check out that episode on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, just about anywhere podcasts are if you missed it. I would suggest it if you're looking for some answers. And while you're there, be sure to throw Locked On Jaguars a subscription, leave a rating and review, get us back up closer to five stars. I think we got over the 4.0 threshold today at one point. So thanks to everyone who has left ratings and reviews. Keep leaving them. Let's get over 50 reviews or ratings, I should say, before the week is over. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, check out the website at LockedOnJaguars.com and be sure to follow the Locked On handle on Twitter at LockedOnJaguars. So in a continuation of breaking down the game against Dallas, I went through the defense's film today because everyone has decided they don't know where to point blame. And it's turned into a mega argument on Twitter between two people that work at the same damn radio station. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Former Jaguars great Tony Baselli and Hayes Carlion of 1010XL. Baselli was throwing jabs left and right about Hayes saying that Todd Wash needs to be fired, claiming he had facts to back up why Hayes was right. And I'm not here to completely bash Tony Baselli, but he didn't tweet a single damn fact the entire night. All he tweeted was his emotions. And whether Tony has some insider information that maybe we don't understand that we don't even see on film. Cause we're not actually hearing the play calls or in those film rooms. I don't know, but he's not showing these facts to the people. So in an attempt to try and clear up who was right and who was wrong in that argument, I went back and I watched all of the past plays that the Jaguars defended that uh, Dallas ran on Sunday. I broke down the coverages, what they were doing, right what they were doing wrong. There was much more of the latter than there was the former. Uh, And we're going to talk about those plays here on the pod in our first segment, just some of the ones that stood out. But Chris, when you go back and you watch that, the everyone's talking about how they're running so much zone or off man and not enough variations of stuff. What 
are your takes on the Jaguars' pass defense right now? I mean, honestly, if you're going to run zone, why why stop at dropping nine into coverage? Why not just drop all 11? Like, you don't need to rush <laughs> the quarterback if there's nobody for him to throw to. So, uh, I mean, am, am I suggesting that you take out all defensive linemen and you put all secondary players out there? I'm not saying no. <laughs> I mean, why do that, though, when you can run this, like, Better yet, just run, just one, run one Marcel Darius <laughs> up the middle, and then the rest are DBs. That's all. Well, you that's need. what I, that's what I'm wondering is like why why even replace the defensive linemen for DBs when you can just drop Marcel Darius and Malik Jackson into coverage. Six hundred twenty-one combined pounds covering the underneath routes in the red zone. I mean, I mean it, to be fair, they didn't let up the touchdown. It was a DB that let up the touchdown. <laughs> so I'm just saying, big boys did their job. They didn't. They didn't let up a pass. They they have quarterbacks have a zero rating when targeting those guys. Watching them shuffle and chop their feet in coverage might have been one of the most glorious things it I've ever seen in my like life. It literally looked like I was watching Madden. It literally looked like Madden <laughs> glitched, and my linemen were just going downfield and just waiting. Like that's one of the plays I highlighted, and I didn't even finish the end of the clip. We knew Patman got scored on in man coverage there, but they had. Two pass rushers coming off the edge, that being Dante Fowler and either Ngakwe or Campbell. I can't remember which one it was on the right side. And Marcel Darius and Malik Jackson don't even put an ounce of pressure onto the offensive line. They just drop back and start (laughs) shuffling about five yards off the line. And uh, a real NFL like game had this happen. Like this was actually a play call in a real NFL game. This, this it immediately made me think of Gus Bradley. Like, where are we right now, right? I mean, you can say that we saw this in a real NFL game to a lot of plays that happened yesterday, but uh, it, it's it, it was a it was a dumpster fire from the beginning. Once they went now, down, once they went down ten, I knew that this yeah. was probably going to be an insurmountable lead, and that's something that you can't say about a Super Bowl contending team. I, I've I've taken the Jaguars completely out of that Super Bowl contending team at the moment because 10 points shouldn't be insurmountable for any team looking to contend for a championship that that just doesn't happen well i don't know if anyone saw my tweet last night i was listening to the radio and they dropped a stat on there that blew my mind the jaguars have not had a lead change this year they've either started the game winning and won that game or they started the game losing and did not come back they have not had one lead change in six games I mean that that's probably the biggest attribute to the season yet. You're the dominating and you stay dominating or you're losing and you're you just stay losing. It's I mean that's insane. But we can get back to talking about some other plays and Doug Marone said today cuz I think it was Daniel Popper of the Athletic that asked about why they're running so much zone. Marone did clarify they are running more man than people give them credit for. They are. And I went back and I watched the plays. I watched the tape, uh, the coaches film. They are. They are running man. However, it's a moot point to say you're running man when you're running 10 yards off man pretty much as if those corners are playing a zone. They're obviously dedicated to that man but with a pass rush like the Jaguars have where Yannick Ngakwe is fifth in the league among edge rushers in pressures Malik Jackson is seventh among defensive tackles like the pass rush is getting pressure so even if you're playing man if your corners are 10 yards off quarterbacks are just quickly releasing on those underneath routes 
where there's 10 yards of separation for the receivers. They get open underneath so quickly, and it happened all game long a bunch of times. And also there were times where, like, Telvin Smith has been terrible in coverage this year. He is getting lost on double moves. He's biting on things incorrectly. The underneath is getting eaten up. It doesn't matter how good the pass rush is doing on film. I know the box score numbers don't add up to say the pass rush is doing well, but they are doing their job. They're doing a good job. Quarterbacks are taking advantage of the constant zone and off man. You see that all throughout these plays. Todd Wash is intentionally sabotaging his own scheme by doing that. You're getting, like you said, you're getting phenomenal pass rush, and then you're basically giving the opposing offense an easy out by basically giving him 10 yards to dump the ball as fast as he can off to just a crossing receiver. And, I mean, thinking about it, when when was the last time that a quarterback has torn apart this Jaguars defense in man-to-man. Not not zone, not short crossers where they're hitting the soft spots. When was the last time a quarterback went against our cornerbacks and beat them? They Not beating ourselves, but they, they put the ball in places where only their receivers can get it and that our corners couldn't. And when I, I was wa- can't think of one. When I was watching the film, they did have a couple of plays where they ran. Not nearly enough. And on the ones that they did run, you know, whether it was press or just really tight, man, there might not have been pressing, but you know, there's not 10 yards of separation. There's like four, three or four. And that's such a better cushion for these athletic physical corners that can mirror really well. There was only one play where they got beat in tight, man. And it wasn't like it was some, you know, play where the corner just got absolutely blown by AJ Boye was in sticky, sticky tight man coverage stride for stride with Michael Gallup down the left side of the field. Michael Gallup just made a really great play. I think it was near the 50-yard line. It was either on the first or second drive. Went up and made a real nice play, a contested catch. There's really nothing more you can ask Boye to do because he was in tight man coverage. He was foot-to-foot, hip-to-hip the entire play. It was great coverage. There wasn't anything you could do. That was the only time through the entire game that they got beat in tight man-to-man coverage. And, I mean, it's just – it baffles me that this team can – put out there what many deemed the two best corners in the game and they believe that they are but I think due to Todd Wash they aren't right now Todd Wash is sabotaging the elite amount of talent that he's he has on his defense and it's really showing I think if you put Boye out there let him play his game let him play press you put Ramsey out there who's obviously phenomenal and press and just let them play their game don't let quarterbacks just don't give quarterbacks an easy out like I at this point I would rather see Jalen Ramsey get torched down the field and say great your receiver beat him than Ramsey having to give him 10 yards and then just nickel and dime the entire time because that's how the Jaguars lost the AFC championship game that they they're doing exactly what they're doing right now and how they're losing last last year's game they they were playing press they were rushing the quarterback they weren't they weren't giving Brady any easy yards and they were dominating second half they take the foot off the gas they give Brady zones and next thing you know Brady starts nickel and diming you down the field next thing you know Brady's gotten hot and you're uh, you're down and you're losing the AFC Championship game. That That's what these zones are basically doing. You're allowing the opposing quarterback to get into a rhythm early on and continue to go on. And even if you were to start playing man, they're probably already in such a rhythm that you probably won't be stopping them. Now, do you know what the, pri- like, the main primary coverage they run when they're running zone is? 
In, in I'm, sure, I'm sure you do. It's cover three. It's the Gus Bradley, Pete Carroll type defense where they run a single high safety. The, they split the deep field into three pieces. The free safety takes not not completely, but technically about numbers to numbers. The corner gets from kind of the numbers to the boundary on both sides. I'm giving the free safety a little bit more room there than he actually has responsibility for. They split it into three pieces and they ran some cover three. And that's where teams are constantly eating them up. And Doug Marone said there were some miscommunications out on the field. There was one play where miles Jack and Ronnie Harrison, who are supposed to be playing the underneath game with the three guys in cover three, taking the deep field. Miles Jack follows, I believe it's Cole Beasley about 15 to 20 yards away, 10 yards out of his zone. Zeke gets a dump off and goes for 10 yards and it's an easy first down. So obviously teams are finding a way to scheme against this cover three look that they're doing. And on top of that, the defense is miscommunicating as well. And that's just making things terribly sloppy. I mean, I I don't think with the way that wash has been calling these games and stuff. I, I mean, I don't want to say that they don't, but I think there's a little bit of trust issues kind of like, I don't know if, uh, the corners can trust that the safeties are going to do their jobs and that the linemen know that the linebackers are going to be in their job. I don't want to say that that early, but it just seems like their continuity and chemistry right now just seems to be all out of whack. And I think it all points back to Wash because I don't think the player, I don't think the players are trusting Wash right now. I don't think they believe in the system that they're running right now. I don't believe that when they go on the field and they get their play call from Wash, I don't think they're fully invested in it. And I wouldn't be either because they know it's not working. And they can't just all 11 of them deviate against the defensive coordinator, but they're basically just being led into failure right now. They're they're attached to a dead horse and their cart's not going anywhere. And yeah, and I think you summed that up perfectly. Jalen Ramsey has been vocal in the past when Bradley was fired after the AFC championship game that he isn't a fan of the constant zone and the constant off man. He has said it. He wants to be physical. He wants to jam receivers, but he doesn't get that chance with the way the plays are called. There's one more coverage I want to go over before we can go to our next segment. I know we're running a little long. This team shouldn't run cover four. I mean, if you're going to run zone, at least run cover three, because that's more of the athletic type of zone coverage that you'll see from any team. And they've got the athletes to run it. Obviously, don't overuse it like they have been, but that should be the priority zone they run. They ran some cover four looks yesterday, and there was a play that a lot of people are saying was on Gip because Gip took the blame. If Gibson was at fault for this play and it was an out route to Cole Beasley that he made about a 20 to 30 yard gain on, people blamed Patman at first, and then Gip took the blame himself. If Gip was to blame here, either Todd Wash should have been fired six weeks ago or Gip is just incredibly humble and will always take the blame for everyone on the team because this is 100% Jalen Ramsey's fault. Cover four is quarters defense. So the like in cover three, how it's split into thirds, this time you have all four primary DBs, the two safeties and the outside corner splitting the field into four pieces. Uh, for the outside guys, they're playing from the boundary to the numbers. The safeties are playing from the numbers to the middle of the field. Cole Beasley and uh, Alan Hearns line up on the um, right side. Alan Hearns playing outside Cole Beasley in the slot. They mesh their routes about 10, 15 yards down the field where Alan Hearns runs a skinny post into Gipps zone. Beasley runs an out. Ramsey is supposed to come down on that out. 
10 times out of 10 because he's deep enough and he's in Ramsey's zone. That's how cover four works. Gibson is then supposed to follow the uh, the skinny post. That's how that zone works because he comes into the middle of the field. Instead, Ramsey follows Hearns with Gibson and suddenly Cole Beasley is wide open with about five to 10 yards of separation from anyone. Ramsey immediately turns around before Beasley catches the ball. But by that time he's 10 yards down the field and that play is just not working. So my take is if you're going to run any type of coverage is run two, run three. Cause in two, at least the guys can come down and jam a little bit for don't run cover four. It's what got them nicked up really badly in the AFC championship game. And when they had a chance to prove that they could do it against Dallas, they got eaten up there too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just you summed it up there. Just, you just, just don't <laughs> stick give to, them stick stuff. to what just, you're good at. Just don't, just don't give them anything. Exactly, and they were given so much to work with during the entire game, and I think that should just about do it in terms of our defensive breakdown. I'm going to be doing an article on this with every play that I did. Write down some man. Some stuff they did do well, but for the most part, a lot of the stuff they didn't do well and what they need to change going forward. If you are listening to this pod right now, chances are the article is probably out. If you are listening to this pod and it's not, the article will be out very, very soon, so you can check that out on LockedOnJaguars.com. When we come back, we had a question from a listener to see if we could talk about coaching changes and if that's plausible. You know, ever since I started this podcast, People have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this offer. Visit my bookie today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until 7 p.m., you get an extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on and add 25 at the end of it. If it's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner to take extra money. You play, you win, you get paid. This season or anytime soon, we'll get into that when we come back from this short commercial. So, coaching changes. Obviously, if you guys have listened to this past segment we just did and my episode last night, I think Todd Wash should be gone. At least at this point, we're seeing way too much of the same stuff. We're starting to see a lot of Gus Bradley type of stuff that this defense got eaten up with continuity. I think he should be gone. And I think Chris would probably agree with me. I don't know what Chris thinks about Hackett as much as Wash. 
And I'm not the biggest Hackett fan, but I'm much more team Wash needs to go right now. Chris, what say you? I mean, people earlier in the season were like, if Todd Wash was offered a head coaching job, then the Jaguars should up their offer and make sure to keep Wash. And I was against that then, and I'm totally against that now. Uh, Todd, he's he's not what Jacksonville needs. He's, uh, I mean, people are referring to him as Gus Bradley a lot, and honestly, the the resemblances are there, uh, both physically and on the field. But uh, he, there's just when you have a defense as talented as this one, you should not be getting nickel and dime by the 25th best offense in the NFL. And it wasn't just a little bit of nickel and diming too. Like they put their entire life savings on the field. Uh, just, it's just abysmal to watch. And really just, it makes you, when you're the Jaguars defense and you talk as much smack as you do in the off season, and deservedly so after the season they had last year. And then you come into this year and you're basically led onto the field by somebody who is basically leading you into failure. I just don't know how you can justify that. You just I I don't understand because you're I it just it just baffles me that honestly that he's lasted this long so far into the season. I know it's it, they've only lost. They've lost two in a row now. It's they shouldn't be burning the the wagon yet. But it's just we saw this last year, and in the game that mattered the absolute most, we saw the defensive play calling get absolutely atrocious. And then we're like, okay, maybe they'll learn their lesson. And he hasn't. Nothing has changed. Your personnel is almost remotely the same. You didn't lose it. You haven't lost anybody significantly on defense yet. Knock on wood. And you're just you're playing the same BS schemes, and it's it's just frustrating from a fan standpoint to see obviously your strong point of the team and your defense being led down uh, just a path of failure right now. Quite the uh, quite the spiel there, but I I, I don't disagree with anything you said, uh, and I think people get the point by now that we aren't Todd Wash fans. However. To bring things more into an objective side of it, do you think that it's actually plausible that they make a change at defensive coordinator or, or offensive coordinator or any type of coaching changes before the year is over um, or even before the bye week, really? Because I'm not sure if it happens much later than the bye week. I mean, if we, you we, we, we did see, by the way, if you guys missed this, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired their defensive coordinator, Mike Smith, former Jaguars decord. So those moves might start happening sooner than later across the league. But Chris, do you think it's plausible here? I mean, if you're going from a production standpoint on both sides of the ball, I think it is plausible, but from a reality standpoint, I don't think it is unless the Jaguars keep getting boat raced. If, if we get boat raced by the Texans this week, and then we go, what, into London and get boat raced again, then you're going into the bye week with four straight losses uh, by probably significant margins. Yeah, I think probably then there is significant, uh, there's a significant chance that either one or both coordinators are gone. I don't know who you're going to have to replace it, but at that point, the season might already be lost, being four games down, uh, or what, you'd be going into the bye week at what, three and five, three and six. 
if you three and five, if, if you lose the next two, because it's three and three, yeah. So three and five, you've lost two divisional games, both of which you should have won. Well, obviously we won't know next week, but if you have lost them, games that you should have won because you should have beat the Tennessee Titans, they're awful. Uh, they just managed to be less bad than you were the week that you played them. I mean, the Baltimore defense, don't get me wrong, is fantastic. Just got 11 sacks on Marcus Mariota. And when the Jags played him, credit to bad defensive play calling, uh, I mean, what, sacked him once, twice? And he wasn't even healthy. He couldn't even throw the ball. So you know he was going to be running. Or they didn't even force him to throw it. Because in warm-ups, when you're watching Mariota throw, that thing was going like 15 miles an hour. Like, I could have probably thrown harder. And I know I can because at the combine, I threw 30 miles an hour. And I probably (laughs) could have doubled Mariota's throw speed. And Todd Washington back here because you already were dominating Blaine Gabbard. If Blaine Gabbard stays in, the Jags went handily. I believe that. Mariota comes in. You know what Mariota can do because you've been playing against the same quarterback for the past three years now. What do you do? Oh, let's not really have anybody spy on uh, Mariota. Let's drop people back and let's run a nice zone. And guess what that got you? That got you an L. And you didn't you didn't force your best corners to make Mariota have to hit those throws because we know he wouldn't have. He didn't have the arm strength. He could barely hold a football. And when you know that, when you're scheming for a quarterback because you had to have known that Mariota might have come in at some point. They were running that weird two-quarterback system like you'd see in college when you don't know who you want to make the starter. And you obviously didn't scheme or prepare well enough because he comes right in, and instead of forcing him to make tougher throws, you give him easier throws. It's just, I think that might be, that's one big reason right there that I think that just irked me. That was a game that you could have been, uh, you would have been 2-0, and or sorry, 3-0. and You would have been 3-0 and coming off that Patriots win, and then you get absolute, I won't say boat raced because it was 9-6, to but you you couldn't get anything going offensively, which this can point to Hackett. I don't know if we're just sticking on Wash right now, but uh, you just give a, a Titans offense, which is absolutely abysmal right now. I mean, what, Mariota had, I don't even know how many completions he had last uh, this week. It was like, but you you can't you can't scheme against that it's just any pro defensive coordinator in the nfl should be able to scheme against that right no i know and i i agree with you and i think that the jaguars and todd wash and nathaniel hackett really both of them are lacking the ability to scheme they aren't they're they're running the same thing over and over again especially on defense same script on offense, abandoning what works on offense with TJ Eldon working so well every time he touches the ball. 5.67 yards per touch this season, and yet he's only seeing 24% of the touches. It, they're, they're not scheming things. They're not scheming what they do well. Like They're not scheming around that stuff. They're not scheming around what other teams don't do well, and it's coming back to bite them. And I really love the heat you're bringing because I brought the same heat last night. But in a simple answer, do you think – there are any coaching changes made before the season is over? And if so, who and what? That's really tough because should there be? Absolutely. But it seems like they seem to be really confident. Now, granted, this this entire regime has kind of surprised me because they usually don't make trades in the middle of the season. They trade for Darius. They've cut some people that I didn't think they would cut. So maybe – 
But you know what? I, I'm going to go a bull. I'm going to say yes. I, I don't think Todd Wash is with this team by the end of the season unless something drastically changes for the better. I think that it's possible. They've shown a reluctancy in the past to make a midseason change. Uh, it took 15 games too long in 2016 or – 14 games too long in 2016 to fire Gus Bradley. And quite honestly, it might've been like 30 games too long by that point. <laughs> I mean, um, Hugh so Jackson they, still has a job with the Browns. So yeah. So they, they are reluctant to do it at least based on what they've shown us in the past. However, this team is three and five heading into the bye. Like you said, defense still looks out schemed every week. They're not trying different things. It's all the same repetitive stuff. And I think that uh, Wash would be the first to go. Only because they've got guys there. I said it last night. I wasn't exactly sure who would take over, but I went back. Perry Fuel was a defensive coordinator in New York with Tom Coughlin, so he might have the upper hand to replace him if necessary. Marion Hobby could also be a decent choice, but I think they'd give it to the experienced guy in Fuel. He could do that. They don't really have that ability on offense with guys that, could call plays. I mean, they've got the quarterback's coaches from the Canadian football league. So I'm not sure if they really would put their trust into him having play calling duties. And I don't know if Marone would take that. So I think if we see this same type of performance with the talents and the injury luck they have on defense, that it's much more likely it would happen on defense, but it would take two more bad losses Mm -hmm. before the bye week for that to happen. When we come back, we are going to talk about one more aspect of the defense. It'll be quick, we promise. Um, just one change we do think they can make on the defense in terms of a personnel standpoint that could potentially you know, boost a little bit of, their, of what they're doing on defense. Guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So I know we've been talking a lot about their performance against Dallas and last week against Kansas City, what the defense has been doing. And this will probably be the last time on the pod we talk about it, unless we decide to really bring it up on the crossover episode, which I don't I don't know if we will. Um but there was one guy in particular that really did stand out to me on defense that is doing a poor job. While I do blame coaching, I do think there is one player that is not playing well 
that being strong safety Barry Church. And he was going against his former team, the Dallas Cowboys, and he got embarrassed out there. I mean, they were given, they did a cover two look where Boye handled the flats as well as you could in the red zone. In return, Michael Gallup swiftly beat Church playing deep. The Church broke way too deep. Gallup brought in an impressive catch. Boye had to come and try and bail him out, but it was too late by that time. And it would have been a touchdown, but they said that one of Gallup's feet was out of bounds. But it maybe it should have been a better place ball because Church was beat pretty badly there in coverage. He was too slow to make a break on that from as far back as he dropped. It just looked bad. Against the run, he had a couple of times where he whiffed on tackles, filled the wrong hole, including that next very next play where Dak ran 17 yards for a touchdown. Telvin Smith had inside leverage. He could have gotten off his block, and if Dak tried to force things back inside to cut up, he was not getting anywhere. Telvin would have gotten off that block. There were other guys closing in. He had to go outside. What does Barry Church do? Instead of angling correctly like a safety is supposed to do to get to the outside, because that's what safeties do against the run. They are supposed, when they're coming down, to get outside leverage and force the run back inside. I played the position. Obviously, it wasn't at a high level, but I understand the basic concepts of run filling for a safety. You fill the outside. Instead, Barry Church tries to go head on against Dak, who is like 10 years younger than him, a lot faster than he is. And Dak just pretty much walks his way into the end zone on the outside because Telvin Smith could not break off his block to get outside. He only could have done it inside. So Barry Church, you know, is if the Gallup play wasn't bad enough, the very next play he gets beat again. There were a lot of missed tackles against the run. There were blown coverages, things he wasn't doing well. It is time for Ronnie Harrison. What say you, Chris? I I completely agree. And just diving quickly into the numbers standpoint, uh, I I believe I firmly believe Ronnie Harrison was drafted this year to be the heir, uh, fairly quickly for this Jaguars team because after this year, the Jaguars owe Barry Church zero more dollars. He has zero dead cap left on. They have the out. And I think that's why Ronnie Harrison was drafted. I think if they if Barry Church played at a high level, then they would have just continued to groom Harrison. But with Church struggling like he is right now, I think Harrison honestly is ready. I think that's why they've been playing him at the big nickel, just to have him on the field and get him that experience playing in the defense. And I think they've actually kind of done a good job in doing that because I think, it, like you said, it is time for Ronnie Harrison. Uh, your window right now for the Jaguars to win a Super Bowl is closing much faster than others thought. I personally wouldn't have been shocked. I was kind of on that team that the I think their window might have been last year. I think that might have been with the team that they have right now probably closed last year. Now, granted, if you make a quarterback change this draft and maybe he comes back and you still have most of these core pieces on defense in place, I think your window opens back up. But I think it will probably be as open as it was. I don't think it'll ever be as open as it was last year. You got so lucky with injuries across the entire team. And we're seeing this year, they are stacking up fast. Their IR list is probably double what it was last year already. And that one, that's one thing that doesn't happen often in the NFL with the injuries last year. Secondly, your your team's starting to look a little bit vulnerable now. They're... They were once a Goliath defensively last year, and now they're really looking kind of 
they're looking very exposed right now, and teams are they know how to beat at least a Todd Wash a Todd Wash led defense. And I I think you got to put a guy out there like Ronnie Harrison where teams don't really have a whole lot of tape. They don't know what he's going to do. They have to dive into college tape. But Harrison's younger, he's faster, and honestly probably gives you more energy on the field and better plays than Church is right now. Now, granted, Church still will probably be the starter for – wouldn't surprise me the rest of the season unless he either gets hurt or just continues to bottom out. But he has a chance to earn his job back. And honestly, maybe that's what you need. Maybe you do need to start giving – Barry Church, or you need to give Ronnie Harrison some of Barry Church's reps. Maybe you need to push Church to play better, or say, "Hey, your job, you're you're done. You're on the bench." And maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't because Marone seems to really preach competition. But if he's not giving Harrison some reps at strong safety, then I think he might he might have been a liar in the preseason if he doesn't think that Church needs a little pushing for his job right now. Yeah, I definitely agree, and. You know, I wish we'd see that across the board, <clears throat> quarterback. But uh, that's a topic for a different day. But I think when I watched Harrison in training camp, and keep in mind, when all the draft Knicks out there, Jags fans alike, when we saw Harrison fall to the third round and we took him, everyone was shocked. It was kind of like one of those like, oh, a Yannick Ngakwe type of steal. Obviously, he's not on Yannick's level yet. But in terms of like, you guys get what I'm saying. Uh, but he was that type of player that you did not expect to see there. A uh, guy that was really instinctual, played really well at a pro-ready type of school, obviously in Alabama, developed some of the best defensive players in the country year after year. Harrison is a dude that can cover. He's a dude that is instinctual coming down against the run. He knows where to be. He knows he he has angles down. He can hit, he can tackle, and he can hit hard too. I remember in training camp, there was one play in particular. Like it's, It still stands out to me, and I couldn't film it. It was in team drills. But Harrison comes down against the run. He makes sure he makes his correct fill on the outside, and then he breaks back inside once he's already angled off to where the running back cannot go outside. Then he lays the wood. He couldn't tackle. He could, like He couldn't bring him down because you know Doug Marone would flip his shit on that. They're not allowed to take play- players down. But he does he hits him just about as hard as he possibly could. I'm shocked the running back didn't fall, but at first it was such it wasn't even the hit that got me. It was how he knew where to be on every single second of that play, no matter where it was going, he knew where to be against the run. That's not what we've seen out of Barry Church lately. He just got the instincts to be a playmaker and honestly the big slot is the same thing as the nickel or the big, uh, the, the big nickel is the same thing as the nickel corner position for a team that runs so much cover three. There isn't a ton of responsibility there. The occasional man responsibility, but for the most part, the cover three. So it's really kind of hiding what Harrison can do well, unless you let him roam a little more. I think you need to give him some of Barry Church's reps at this point, like you said, to drive that competition in Church. And also, I mean, very well might be an upgrade at this point. He might be more pro-ready than people gave him credit for. I think he needs to come in. He could start making some plays for this defense. And I, I completely agree. I think if change might not be so bad right now. I know it's only, what, week six? But, I mean, what – I mean – you just got, like I said, you got boat raced by the 25th best offense in the NFL. And 
I mean, outcoached by a guy like Jason Garrett, who has not had a very strong year, and just, career, career, yeah, we'll, we'll say even career, <laughs> and just I don't know. I think I think that's a that is a subtle but strong move to make if you bench Barry Church in favor of the rookie Ronnie Harrison. It's not. It's not a huge move. It's not like a move, changing quarterbacks, even though that might be needed at this point. It is a subtle but statement move to everybody on this team that if you don't perform, there is likely somebody ready to take your job. And I think that is something Marone said today that the coaching has not been good and it starts with him. I think that's something that he has to do. If you want to show everybody that you're the top dog, make a top dog move and kind of make a splash on this roster because the other players will get that message really quick. If that, if they don't play either, they'll bring somebody in to play better for them or that something else will happen with them. Yeah. I think that would be a real culture type of move. The one that everyone praises that this organization has brought in since Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin took over. So be interesting to watch. I think that's the most reasonable move they could make right now. So we'll see what they do within the next couple of weeks. A uh, little bit of a long episode, so I think we'll just about cut it there. We are going to be recording a crossover episode with Locked On Texans, our buddies over there, Robert and Brian. Very excited to catch up with them again this year. Uh, be sure to look out for that. That should be posting tomorrow at some point. Uh, as for now... We'll be signing off. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anytime, anywhere you can find podcasts. We'll be there. Leave a rating and review. We're at, I think, 43, 44 reviews, ratings right now. So let's try and get it over 50 before the week is over. We really appreciate the feedback. Follow my co-host, at Misto Cristofo, as well as myself, at Zach underscore Goodall, the Locked On Jaguars handle, at Locked On Jaguars on Twitter. Well, We'll catch up with you guys later. Uh, Hopefully tomorrow's Twitter is just as exciting as today's.